Hello and welcome to the Brave Marketing Podcast with your host Swapna Thomas. This is the podcast for the renegades, the trailblazing leaders and the change makers who don't just have a business, it's your calling. Those of you who want to make a difference and make money but all on your own terms. I'm on a mission to show as many life coaches as possible how you can have more income, more impact and infinitely more fun by being unapologetically and bravely you and breaking all the rules. I have created five figure months with no paid ads, a tiny list and zero complicated sales funnels. Simplifying marketing and teaching you how to use it for good in the world is my zone of genius. With this podcast, I'm here to share weekly episodes on the soul and the strategy of marketing, mindset, money and everything online business. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Brave Marketing Podcast. And today I have someone who I feel like I've known forever, but also I have never met her in real life, which is bizarre. Yet, I've not met her yet. It's not, you know, forever. I'm definitely going to meet her, but I haven't met her yet. She's a business peer, but more than that, I feel like she's a soul sister. She's also someone I really look up to, like a big sister, because she's a badass role model who shows what living life on her own terms is. Um, A very, very brave welcome, Shannon Dunn, to the Brave Marketing Podcast. My beautiful friend, what an introduction. (laughs) I love that you said like a big sister. I do feel a little bit like your big sister sometimes, and that's got nothing to do with being older than you. Um, I'm just that bit ahead of you in business and things like that, but I'm so excited to be here and happy that you have a podcast again. Like, yes, you've got so much to say and yes, let's, let's rebel together. Yeah. And we've just had like a 15 minute conversation morning on our cats before we ever hit <laughs> Right. <laughs> so that's something common between us, but let me get into her professional bio because you got to know what she's all about. A super creator, visionary thinker, liberation-loving, inspiration-seeking, wisdom woman, chai devotee, and stand-up paddleboard enthusiast, Shannon Dunn is an international award-winning Australian businesswoman, business and leadership coach, retreat leader, best-selling author, creator of the Thrive Factor Framework, and its 12 female-centric leadership archetypes and regularly sought out as a keynote speaker. Shannon coaches, teaches, and cheers ingenious and ambitious coaches, creatives, and impact makers to turn what they know into energizing and profitable income streams, unlock their effortless success zone, break up with unhealthy hustle, and make a rippling impact by embracing their inner rebel. And she also leads the Thrive Factor Code certification as a huge ambition to ripple thriving into the world in a big impact kind of way. So there are already so many things that you can spot common between us that we want to break up with the whole hustle culture. We are both rebels and we love working with change makers and impact makers. So Shannon, one of the things that I ask everyone who comes into the podcast is, what's the bravest thing you have done? 
And it surprised me to see that you wrote that you did not consider yourself as brave because I know of your journey and every aspect of it seems so brave to me, but I would love to hear your take. And just to give context to the listeners, I was recording for Shannon's podcast earlier in the week. And I think after the one hour recording for the podcast, we had another hour and a half conversation (laughs) at least on so many things but one of them was how both of us were raised to be polite good girls and we were the quiet rebels who did not raise a whole lot of hell so is that part of why you never identified as being brave as you were going on your journey possibly yes I I guess I haven't given it that much thought Swapna and when I saw that question, I mean, you know, we're at the Brave Marketing Podcast, so talking about being brave, I figured it would be part of what our conversation could be about. But there, there isn't things in me, like I've done some very tenacious, bold things in my life, but I don't, I haven't re- sat back and then reflected and thought, well, that was really brave of me. It's just like, it felt like a compulsion to do it. It didn't feel like I muster a unique part of myself or a part of myself I don't tap into almost at every moment of every day to accomplish it. You know, whether that be, you know, whitewater rafting in my early 20s down the Zambezi River in Africa, which was, I found out afterwards, the highest grade rapid in the world that they commercialised and that someone had died the day before. I found that out after, which was just, (laughs) you know, to to doing all sorts of things in the travels I've done to uh, navigating business to leaving like, you know, like you and I both, we've left corporate careers, we've, we've studied, we've done lots of things, we've shown up for ourselves and we've made our own waves, but as we both talk about, in a quiet rebel way, we're not the kinds that draw attention to ourselves. To even to, you know, in the last few years, reinventing myself when my marriage ended, it, it, which was a good thing. I'd not like to add that in. It was a it was a happy ending for me and a a re re kind of connection to myself because it wasn't really reinventing. It was like coming home to me and republishing my books and re-establishing a brand that had been built with 13 years of a different name. But I don't kind of look at those as brave. I just look at them as this is what you're doing. Get on, you know, come on, get on with it and be excited about it. So, yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will resonate with that because being brave is about being who you are more than anything, right? It's not about trying to do the brave thing. It's about doing what you know is exactly what you need to do. And sometimes it feels really scary and it feels like, I don't know if I'm going to lose everything that I have built, but you know that you cannot not do that right now in this moment, right? So, yeah, and that's that, that that compulsion that I said before. It's it's almost like it's I talk a lot about choices, you know, but it's if I think about the different phases and periods and experiences in my life, it's not necessarily felt like it's a choice or not. It's just like this is just go and do it. Like it is a compulsion, a a real drive to take action, to make decisions, to immerse myself in different things, to reach out and have conversations, build relationships, even, you know, like building a relationship with you, as you said, we do feel like in the best possible way we've known each other forever. And yes, it's a number of years now, but we haven't yet met in person. We'll change that. Um, But, you know, you can, you know, even that is a brave thing for a lot of people to put themselves out there. And I think if we look at brave in that a simple way is getting up every day and choosing to back yourself, then yes, I'm an incredibly brave individual. 
Yeah. And I think that's what it boils down to is that get, having your own back. Like you can hire a coach, you can have a whole team, you can have people who support you in your life, or you may not have all of those things. But what is always going to matter is how much you've got your own back. Are you standing up for yourself? Are you standing up for your message? Are you standing up for your clients every single day? And it's not easy. And that's why we say, you know, the, by, by the whole idea of being brave in your marketing, because it's not, if everyone could do it, we would be, I don't think there would be a need for us, but honestly, it's not easy. That's right. That's right. But you, I had a conversation with a beautiful woman this morning who I've just met recently, and she was talking to me about the enormity of her fear about putting herself out there. And she said to me, she's been watching some of my content and reading things and looking even at like, you know, selfies and images and videos. And she said, you just make it look so easy. And I said, oh, thank you very much for that feedback. I really appreciate it. I said, but I wasn't always like that, but it took that showing up and giving it a go, learning from people, connecting with people, you know, looking to others, not to compare, but to be inspired about ways they might be doing things and think, well, if she or they can do it, then why not? Let's give it a go and see what it's like. Uh, and the imposter syndrome phrase came up. You and I have talked about this a lot over the years too. And she said to me, that just cripples me. And I said, great, let's find one thing that you feel excited about trying. Even if you're terrified, start there. She said, oh, I can do that. See, yeah, it's making it easier. Break it down, make it easier. And it is about those small, small things like you, you know, how they say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? And and that's that's the attitude you need to have in your business as well, where you just look at what's the one step I can take. And even that step might be scary. I'm not undermining, you know, what it might need at all. But, you know, you only need to see the first step of that big staircase and you don't know where that leads to, but just getting on the first step and then the next step. That's what all of us need to do. I think... The reality is, and this is because I've seen it over and over again in so many years now being in business, and even prior to that, if I reflect back to my working life as an employee pre-being in my business 17 years ago, that so often we get so stuck on the end goal and we have to be there now and forget that it's all those little moments in time that actually lead us to whatever the accomplishment is or the dream or the vision or the the way we want to feel or whatever the the way you you think you're headed but focusing all on the future all the time and getting obsessed with how it needs to look and feel and be takes us away i think and i think that's would be an interruption to being brave and i wasn't planning to go here but <laughs> this is the perfect you know segue into this it's also about who you become along the way, right? That's the most important thing. I think people just get so stuck on the outcome and the numbers, right? The 100K, the 10K months or the 1 million business that they want to build that they forget that the process is more important than the outcome, what's at the end of the journey. And if you cannot stay focused and brave in that journey, even through the $0 months, even through the failures and the refunds and the bad clients and the, you know, really low months and anxiety and overwhelm and depression and all of these things, which can be a part of being an entrepreneur and who you are through that journey. When you don't focus on that and when you don't give that a bigger priority, 
that journey just becomes so much harder. And I think one of the things that I, and I know that this is important for you as well, is that it's not just about reaching the destination. It's also about loving the journey along the way. If you're beating yourself up along the way and just shaming yourself constantly, it doesn't matter if you start making the money. Like, I don't think you're going to enjoy that money at all. No, no, I agree with you so much. And all of the experiences that we have along the way to wherever this, you know, dream destination is that we, we're aiming for, you know, in the business landscape, if we're not able to be in that moment more, reflect, to celebrate, to have conversations, to to cry if we need to express emotion, to be okay with being, say, both sad and happy, you know, challenged and ecstatic, all of those dualities of emotions then we're not able to build the kind of resilience that I feel it takes to really be there in business for the long haul. You know, someone said to me not long ago, they were like, well, what's one of the big differences about you as a business coach? Because in their view of things, it feels like every person they were meeting in the last, you know, wee while was a business coach. And it does feel like that. I think there's been a a massive increase in the number of people coaching and business coaching, particularly in the last two or three years. And so this person had said to me, well, what makes you different? I said, I've been doing this for 17 years. I, I think I've like, I've kind of proved that I know what I'm doing or I wouldn't have a business. And yet I don't feel also that I need to prove what I'm doing because the the tenure, like the length of time I've been in business, the clients I've worked with, the things I have achieved, if you want to look at all of those things, that's enough proof if anyone wants that. But I don't need the proof. I don't focus on the proof. I focus on, well, how is my day today? How did I feel? Who did I get to talk to? You know, I got to chat to my friend Swapna twice this week. Like, you know, that makes it a really good week. It's not just about, oh, I signed a new client and I made X dollars. Yeah, doesn't mean that we're going to feel great in those moments. So So just from that 17-year journey and from your unique lens, because I know you have a unique lens and a perspective on everything that you see, what are some of the good things about the industry, the coaching world now compared to when you had started? And what are some things that you constantly find yourself rolling your eyes at? And I know one of those things is the literal, you know, it's the whack-a-mole business coaches who are coming up. But I would love to know what are some of the things that you, you know, think are really good now and uh, the other side of it as well. Let's start with the, the positives for sure. Because when I started as a coach, I was also very much a hybrid moving from therapy work and recognizing that coaching was a style of a way I wanted to work with people because it wasn't focused like a lot of talk therapies, counseling and therapy. I love them, but they have their place. I wanted to work with people who are focused on the, the here and now and the future. And a lot of those modalities don't do that. They're very much, let's go back to the past. Let's take you back to wherever you were, examine that, and then we might get to here. And that that never resonated with me with all those, all the study that I've done. So when I was given the opportunity to understand what coaching was as a methodology and a way to work with people, it was actually when I was still in corporate and we had the most incredible executive coach who I was in a, a, a leadership team. Most of the members of that team were very new to leadership and our boss, who was the kind of head of the area where we were working, decided that we could do with some group coaching, bless him. Um, He had been working with this individual that we had come in as our coach. And so his enthusiasm piqued my interest as to coaching because at that time, this is over two decades ago, 
only coaches I'd heard of were, were like growing up and playing sports and you had a coach for your netball team or your softball team, nothing else. You know, but again, I'd studied counselling and I was a qualified art therapist as well. There was other things, you know, there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to trust, you know, this amazing boss that I had who was a, a great mentor. He's so excited about this and I've seen his transition. This, let's go and see what this is all about. I remember sitting in that very first session and there were six or seven of us. I said all different stages of new roles in leadership, mostly different backgrounds, different past experiences. And I watched this gentleman who I still am in contact with today, kind of wrangle us together in such an incredible way because he was practicing coaching methodology as like you and I would know it. And I was, I was, I was hooked swap now. I sat there and I was like, what is this stuff? What is this magical kind of way of talking and getting people to reflect on things and draw their own answers out and come to their own solutions together and collaborate because it was a team environment. And I, that was enough for me. I was just like, let's go and find out what this is about. And that really started me. I was the first one to put my hand up when they're like, we're going to do some in-house coaching training so you can learn how to use these ways of working with people with your team members. Yep, first one there. And then I have done other many different pieces of coaching study along the way since then. And the thing I loved about it that I still love is that when you are looking at true coaching methodology, it is about journeying with somebody. It's like a, I see it like when a way I talk about it with my clients, it's like a collaborative experience that we work together to go from wherever someone is to create deeper understanding, to expand awareness, to support them to connect with their own resources, solutions and outcomes, maybe teach them along the way as well and guide them forward, not because we know better, but because we probably have different expertise, uh, different tools and things that we can draw on. And so it's just like walking alongside someone uh, to support them to get to where they desire to get to. And hopefully, certainly the way I look at it and beyond that, you know, they don't need us, but they desire to come and have that support to move forward. And I still see that evident in the coaching industry. But some of the things that I don't love about it is that there is a misunderstanding of what coaching is. So many people have had experience of coaching, often ended up hating it or really having a distasteful experience. And that's because when I've heard this from so many people over the years, they haven't been coached. They've been given advice or told what to do. That's not coaching. you know. And yeah. a lot of the time, particularly in the business coaching space where you and I work, those coaches those individuals calling themselves coaches are teaching the methodology that their coach taught them, that that person's coach taught them. So it's just this like replication of this is how you do something, whatever their niche or their focus is, without necessarily any business credibility, without understanding how to actually work with a human being and their life experiences, their emotions, their humanity beyond them as a, a business owner, for example, or whatever the context of coaching is. So the the advice giving that happens is dangerous. Yeah. It's it's not serving anybody. It's creating, as I said, a misunderstanding of what coaching actually is. There is a lot of a well, I see a lack of duty of care, because a lot of people who are out there coaching are not, say, aware of their boundaries or the scope of their competence. And are going, you know, journeying with someone perhaps down a path 
that might be opening up trauma for somebody and not knowing how what to do with that, not realizing that this is a point I need to refer on to an actual qualified professional to, to support this person. So that kind of stuff really bugs me because it's an industry I love and I'm here to make a big impact and you know change things as best as I can. And when I see that happen or I have people say to me, oh, you're just a coach, I hate coaching. No, I'm not just a coach. Do you want to actually have a conversation with me? Let's because oh, I'm curious as to know why you said that. So that's where my quiet rebel gets loud. <laughs> like, I want to challenge you. I want to know where that came from. Let's have a conversation about this. <laughs> yeah. And I've I've been thinking a lot about this. And there's a post percolating in my drafts as well about how one of the things that that is becoming rarer and rarer in the coaching space right now is the safety for clients to say no to their coaches because they feel so pressured that I paid so much money to this coach and I might as well, you know, do what they're telling me, even if their entire body is telling them, no, that that's not what I want to do. And because there's also this sort of shaming around, don't stay in your comfort zone, stretch yourself, don't keep, you know, doing the things that are comfortable, which has no understanding of the how the nervous system works. Like you cannot put your nervous system in a flight fight uh, or freeze mode by just triggering it constantly with uncomfortable things, so to say, right? So there's that fine line that coaches need to walk when working with clients. Uh, and I, I guess mentoring does become a part of it, uh, in uh, inadvertently, especially when you're working with businesses. But I think there is also such a big scope for coaches to retain that sense of coaching, pure coaching, when you're holding space for them. And there is safety for the client to say, I understand what you're saying. And I think it would be amazing for someone else, but this doesn't work for me. So, and the coach is resourceful enough to work with them to create what would feel good to them and still take them ahead, right? And and I think because there is so much of focus on numbers and this shiny results that coaches are feeling that they just want to push people so that, you know, most like maybe one out of 10 of those people is going to get the big results. And that's what they're going to use in their marketing. But nine other people are going to fall through the cracks with their nervous system in overdrive, with this trauma and completely uh, feeling cynical about the coaching industry. I think we are on the same page with that completely. Yeah, I, which I'm not surprised that we are. We, As we have established in our long-term friendship, we have very similar aligned views coming from perhaps different backgrounds, but they're, they're, you know, they're well-considered and well-researched views as well. What I was also thinking with what you were saying there, Swapna, is, you know, when someone has paid a significant amount of money and that, you know, I'm not even going to put a number on that because we see people charging, you know, a couple of hundred dollars through to, you know, multiple tens of thousands for a coaching session, which also is, I feel, a bit crazy. No judgment to anyone who's doing that, but it just feels like you and I both know what goes into coaching. And I know I'm a, a, an exceptional coach, but I feel it was it's not appropriate to be charging someone more than, you know, their year's rent to sit with me for an hour. Anyway, but often when people have invested a lot of money, they also put their coach on a pedestal. It's like they said that I have to do this or they said this will work, so I have to. So that's another level of, you know, giving away their power often and deciding that that person is the be-all and end-all. And, I mean, I know I've had I'm that kind of client. It's probably a nightmare for a lot of coaches 
the one when someone says, you know, do this. And I was like, let me think about that or let me consider that. And I've been told that I'm not committed, that I don't know what I'm doing, that, you know, various things like that. And I'm like, no, I need to look at this in the bigger picture. I trust myself. I don't know everything or I wouldn't be here seeking support and seeking guidance. I love to have a sounding board, but I'm not going to just jump in and do that because you told me that will work. Yeah. Yeah. Which most clients don't have the capacity or even real understanding that they can do that. And, I, you know, I, I love to, I, I genuinely say often I meet my clients where they're at, which is what exactly what I do. I work with clients that are, you know, in very early phases of their businesses through to being highly established at all different ranges of income and profit levels, all different kinds of businesses. I'm not a coach who just coaches coaches like a lot of coaches do. And I love the variety and the, the challenge it brings me as a coach to meet that person where they're actually at as an individual, as a human being, and as a business owner, and to help them to see what's possible, to understand what they could do, to try different things on, to examine what works and what doesn't work, how it feels, how it doesn't feel, and make more decisions. Because at some point in time, I don't want them to be working with me. I want them to have that built that trust and that reliability on themselves. And then if they come back for something at some point, which a lot of my clients do, it's for a very intentional, considered reason, something specific they want to work on or want some support with. And often I find at that point, yes, they want the coaching, but they want more of kind of the mentoring and education piece, which I will offer as well with coaching in there. And I think that's the best um, outcome for both the coach and the you know the client when they're working not with you, not because they need to or they cannot do it without you, but because it's so much more fun to do it with you and it just you know expands them so much more, right? So there is that sense of self-trust and expansion and knowing that the next level is always possible for them, but with you on their side, they can just do it probably easier, faster, and it would be a whole lot more fun. So going on a little bit of a tangent now, I saw a post on your Instagram about your niece who was wondering why you were on Spotify and why you wanted to talk to everyone in the world, <laughs> which is such a toddler, like a five-year-old, you know, I, I yeah, Holly's yeah. nearly six. And this was a, a few weeks ago, I was helping my brother and sister-in-law out my, you know, the f- kind of family members that would usually have a, have her for a day or to care for her during a school holiday while they were juggling work when available. And it was such a joy to say, again, the gift of being in business to say, yes, I can block that day out and spend the day with her. And she's such a firecracker that I always feel good afterwards, exhausted, but really good. And it was the day that my podcast had had launched. And she was looking, she she has a uh, playlist that she that we created together on my Spotify account of the song she loves to listen to. And she's a very diverse taste in music for a five-year-old. <laughs> but in looking for her that, she knows how to do that, but in looking for her playlist, she saw the cover of my podcast come up. And she said, Shannon, is that you? And I said, yes. And she so because she's, you know, madly pushing the buttons on my phone. And she turned, put on one of the episodes and she said to me, why do you want to talk to the whole world? Why are you on Spotify? Like what? This is strange. And then she said to me after that, which I don't think I shared in that post, it's good you're not singing though. (laughs) So 
because for her, Spotify is a platform where she listens to music. She She's like, do people really talk on here? And so I was showing her podcasts and things and explaining what that was. And she goes, ah, this is curious thing. You know, she's just such a fascinating kid. But it was around like, why would you want to do that? And I, I was, the thought went through my mind is like, is this the time to have the conversation about world domination and the importance of if you've got something to say, find a way to say it. And I didn't go to the world domination and talk about like my big vision for the Thrive Factor, but I did say to her, it's really important that if you've got things to say and share with people and you've also, if you know really great people and you want to share them with the world, that you find a way to do that. She goes, okay, like she'll have planted that in her brain and who knows, you know, maybe we'll start a podcast for her in the next couple of years. (laughs) It would be funny. And I was reading that post and I was thinking that, you know, this, this is a conversation that our clients need to have at regular intervals, as well as why do you need, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Why do you need the world to hear your message, right? So, because I think it, especially in the beginning of the business, or I I feel like even sometimes, you know, in along the journey, it's easy to lose track of why did you start this? What's the vision and what's the long-term impact? So what do you feel um, is something that, you know, people in business, especially coaches, should do to keep realigning to that vision and the big picture that they have um, in their mind? That's a great question, I Before I come into a thing that I think was great to do, I think the problem that creates the disconnection from the why is that so much of the business world is focused on the how. Every time you go into social media or you join a program or work with someone, they're like, I'm going to show you how, I'm going to teach you how, this is how, this is how, this is how, like it's over and over saturated messaging. So we focus on that, but I don't know how, or I need to know how. And yet what can create the greatest, I guess, almost like magnetic pull into the future of the vision you're, or dream or outcome you're working towards is the why. What was it that got you started in the beginning? And I love to at least twice a year, maybe more personally I do this and I encourage my clients to do it, is just to pause for a moment and and think about that. Why did I start this in the first place? Not about what I've done, how I, where I've got to, what I've achieved, how I've done it, but what was the thing that got me started in the first place? For every one of us, it will be different. It can also evolve over time, even though our original why I feel is still there and can still be motivating and driving. That there for me, I know other things have come into that and expanded that why as I've continued to expand into my business. But staying connected to that is one of the most grounding things that we can do to keep us real, keep us uh, you know, humble in many re- regards and keep us focused on, wait a sec, what's the actual bigger picture here? Getting stuck in, them, you know, day-to-day little tiny things and the focuses of all the things we need to do and whether we're doing it as good or better than someone else and all that. And that, you know, do I know how, do I need to know how is, a, again, a distraction. And I think, again, like I said earlier, an interruption to being brave. And so because we have been we have been having this conversation around vision, it totally leads me into talking about the Thrive Factor archetypes, which I believe evolved from a personal leadership framework that you created many years ago. And it's such an amazing tool to map out 
not just the big vision, but also the intricate details of our business, like decision-making, marketing, relationship building, etc. And I know this could be a series of podcast episodes that you would do on your podcast. And I'm sure you're talking about Tri-Factor all the time in your podcast. But if you were to just sort of create a quick introduction of what that is, what would you share with our audience? Yeah. Thank you, Swapna. The Trifactor Framework is, I've come to understand, it's something I've been using in my business for a long time now. And you're right, it did come from an originally from a framework of personal leadership archetypes. And they still are personal leadership archetypes, but they, I think, it's like matured into the being called the Trifactor. And the framework consists of 12 female-centric archetypes. It also consists now of a coaching methodology that is focused on working with the individual strengths and potential challenges of the unique individual archetypes, but also the relationship between archetypes. Of the 12 archetypes, when you come to learn what your archetypal profile, your thrive factor is, it could be anywhere between three and six of those 12. We're not one dimensional. We're not one, you know, linear personality. We have different aspects to us. You know, you have three archetypes. I've got four. A lot of clients I work with can, as I said, have anywhere between three and six. And all of that is, it's them. It's it's a normal expression of who they are. The way that I use the Thrive Factor is very much focused on business. But I also have a coaching certification now to teach other women to use you know, to really step up into the world as leadership coaches using the Thrifactor framework and the coaching methodology. And they come from backgrounds of healing, of money, of all sorts of different things. And they get taught to use the Thrifactor framework and profiling aspect to work with their female clients, not to use it for business. That's just my unique way of doing it. But I have loved the, it's like a, a gift that the Thrifactor provides the opportunity to really truly understand yourself. It expands self-awareness. It creates depths of self-understanding that we have often misunderstood or uh, ignored often as well. It gives us an opportunity to understand how to create more ease in our life. And we actually, when we're teaching the Thrive Factor archetypes and how to use the framework, we talk about when you consciously and intentionally use the strengths that you have and understand how to work with the potential challenges when they become actualized, you're increasing your potential to be in your effortless success zone. That's where things become easier. You feel better about things. Your resilience is broader. Your confidence is, is higher. You know, again, like we said right at the beginning about back yourself, you know how to back yourself. You know parts of you that have come up. So say you have a, an actualized challenge, but you can look at that and go, but I understand where that came from. And I also know the skills, the tools, the attributes, the beliefs, the things I have to support me to shift through that if I actually don't want to have a negative experience or impact from this particular, whatever the challenge is. So it's a very empowering framework. Uh, and it it just has created, as you know, it's called the Thrive Factor for a reason. And I talk often about having an obsession with thriving, but really looking at what does it mean for me to thrive? Because it's different for every one of us. I know you and I talked about this when we were chatting on my podcast recently, but it's the knowledge, the understanding, the honoring of who you are to amplify thriving for you. And one of the things that I see is the greatest impact for all of us when we do that is that that thriving can then ripple out and positively influence 
others in our life, whether that be in a work context, like with you and I in business, our clients, but our families, our friends, people we meet in the street or people we network with online, whatever that context is, when we are able to be in that space of creating more ease for ourselves, of really activating thriving, knowing how to, to thrive, knowing what thriving means for us, we are able to lead by example. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of leadership as well, is that just saying, this is how I'm going to do it. It's that quiet rebel coming up again. <laughs> you know, This is what I'm going to do. And letting yourself lead your life. I find it curious that a lot of people will say, you know, so will make reference to the way they lead their life. And my first thought is, are you really leading your life or are you letting life lead you? Because I think a lot of us have had many experiences or a lot of people in the world spend a lot of time letting life lead them, but they don't actually take ownership, responsibility, accountability to do anything about leading life themselves on their terms. And just for context, um, you you will know more about the archetypes when you go into Shannon's world. But for context, mine are liberator engineer, queen ruler and mentor teacher. And if you listen to my episode, which will come whenever it comes on Shannon's podcast, you will get to know how I use that or how I understand myself better using those archetypes in my own business. But um, I know that you love simplifying things and I love simplifying things as well for our clients. So if you were to break this down a little bit, right? So if someone is a liberator engineer like me, what does that look like when it comes to their marketing? Uh, if you were to just give them sort of like a case study kind of. Program. Yeah. And this is in some ways easier because I also have the liberator engineer archetype. Yes. Yeah. And it is the, it is the archetype of the rebel. So this is again, another reason that can support why Sopner and I use that word so much. We're actually speaking the language of our archetypes. It's innate in us to understand this rebellious nature. So the liberator engineer has a gift for seeing the big picture of things and understanding how all the moving parts work. They have a desire to create freedom for themselves and others. So that's where that word liberator relates to. The engineering part is that it's a very analytical archetype that loves to build. So literally to put things together, try things out, break things down too, which is not always great. So from a a perspective of, well, how do we make things easier from a marketing perspective, we have a gift for showing people how to get from here to here, whatever the, the the starting point and the end point is. And it's not about teaching the how. We've already had a conversation about that. It's about guiding people to connect them to their sense of liberation, their sense of freedom, and to take simpler steps along the way. You know, I one of my favorite questions to ask when I'm coaching is, how can this be easier? And I know that that particular question is coming straight from the soul of my liberator engineer. She said, we both have an obsession with things being easier for sure. It's it's an archetype though that can, when she is in the space of her potential challenges being actualized, make things really hard. We over over tinker things, we overcomplicate, we, you know, we add too many steps in the process because we can see all the steps. But when we can actually go back to, does that actually feel free when I do that? Usually no. So how can I make this feel easier? How can I make this feel freer? How can I create more space and ease with things? So painting that vision for others is the greatest gift that we can really, I guess, embody as the greater engineers in our marketing. Show people what's possible. Show people how things can be easier. Show them it can be easier by being a living example of that. 
I'm just like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about myself and my marketing. And I think we all, the engineer in us also is able to reverse engineer a lot of things. So when we know your desire and when we know your, you know, outcomes that you're going for your goals, it's easy for us. And we know you, it's easy for us to see the path that might be the, you know, the most aligned for you. But also the because we are liberators, we know what, what freedom means to you, what freedom means to us. We are also able to hold that space for you to find your own way, right? So even though we can see the whole path, like if you did this and did this and this and this, you would get there we also know not to push you down that path like to create that freedom and space for you so that's something I was thinking like what what shows up in my work with my clients is that you know even though I can give them the exact specific strategy that they can use for it I also am very committed to the fact that it has to be their way and it needs to feel good to them and it needs to feel create freedom for them and it shouldn't bog them down so I love it and everything about uh, Shannon's Stripe Factor framework is in the show notes you can go to her website and you know read up all about it and of course her podcast and everywhere she is you cannot escape listening about the Thrive Factor framework because it is her life's work I feel like it is and I think that's also a sign when you are here to create legacy, which I think everybody has the potential to do, but it doesn't mean that all of us actually take up that invitation, if you like, and, and you know, if you want to draw on that word brave and, and go, I'm going to do this. I created this framework. Yes, it had a different name, but back in, it was around 2009, 13 years ago that I started, def, def, or oh, 11 years ago, 12 years, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the human in you, uh, I have a few questions now, which are more about you. And of course, your work is an integral part of who you are anyway. But another question that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast is a weird fun fact about them. And you talked about being that your name means little old wise one. And your clients also called you Bizyoda. And I also know that you love Wonder Woman and the listeners cannot see it, but she has a few Wonder Woman figurines on her shelves uh, behind her Uh, and the, of course, Yoda's. So were you into all of this stuff from the very beginning, like comics and Star Wars and from your childhood? Or is this something you discovered on the journey, like these empowering figures uh, just started coming into your life and you made them a part of your branding and business and life? A great question. I grew up in a Star Wars obsessed family. (laughs) My mum and dad, I remember taking my, I'm the eldest of my family. I have two younger brothers and the brother closest to me in age. We were quite young when mum and dad took us to see the High Strikes Back movie. So I think that was originally number two and then it became number five, you know, when they changed all the franchise. Anyone who's a Star Wars nerd will understand what I'm talking about. So I was connected to Star Wars from a very young age. Both my brothers are obsessed with it still. And I just got called Yoda when I was little because I was the little old wise person. I didn't know that that was actually what my name Shannon meant, little old wise one. And then that just made sense, right, that, of course, Yoda was my favourite Star Wars character. You know, he was was wise, he was cheeky, he kind of pushed boundaries. And I can see that reflected in when I look at my own four Thrive Factor archetypes, it's like, of course. Um, And then my clients, 
without knowing what my name meant. This is going back even 10 years ago. One of them latched on and decided to call me Biz Yoda or Business Yoda and it stuck. And then so I was like, oh, maybe I should tell them what my name actually means and that I actually am quite obsessed with Yoda. So, you know, the collection of Yoda figurines behind me are all gifts from clients, which is quite funny. One of them even was given to me, especially made for me. It's the more the Grogan the Baby Yoda figure was handmade for me by a beautiful client that I have here in Perth where I am, but by a connection of hers in Cambodia and shipped here for me for my birthday. So like it's got so much meaning. And then the Wonder Woman, yes, as a little girl, I was that I would race home from school to watch Wonder Woman on the TV. So everything about her was just like, who is this? Who is this, you know, individual? Who is this woman? Look at her magic powers. Look at how strong and smart and sassy she is. She stands up when things aren't right. So, again, I loved that whole energy of that character and have loved it ever since. Uh, one of my great joys was when the more modern Wonder Woman movie came out, the first one a few years ago, taking my elder nieces at the time who were younger teenagers, they're a lot older now, and being able to share that with them. And I remember coming out from that movie and my niece Mia who's my second of my nieces who's now 16 but she was about 12 at the time and she was quite obsessed with Supergirl Princess Leia interestingly enough is her she calls her her spirit animal <laughs> like she's got a huge poster of Princess Leia on her wall but she comes comes out of that and she did the kind of Wonder Woman pose and she goes Wonder Woman is so much better than Supergirl and I was like yeah she's got it so it's like carrying on the mantle of that Wonder Woman energy. So, yeah, they have been part of my life my whole life. And I feel like the easier things get in terms of marketing and showing up online is me just sharing these parts of who I am, letting people see the things that I love, you know, talking about like in my in my intro, you talked about me, you know, the paddleboard and I am paddleboard obsessed, but being a chai devotee, if there's a good freshly made chai that's not powdered, I want to try it. And as I said, I can't wait to get to India and Swapman's going to take me on a tour of all the places we can drink the best chai ever and teach me how to actually make it because it's not, you know, the, the versions in Australia I know are not kind of kind of right. Anyway, we'll get there. Oh, my God. You're, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm going to blow your mind. Like the places here where you get like, hundred different kinds of just chai. Oh, like, so exciting. <laughs> but, you know, those are things, little quirky things about me. You know, I love all sorts of different kinds of music and sometimes in my bio include that I'm a disco tragic. I love 70s music as much as I love the modern stuff that's coming out now. Um, and that's, again, the influence of my family. My mum and dad kind of immersed us in things that they loved and encouraged us to develop our own passions and interests, which I think has been such a gift now. I can see that. I know when you're being, you know, you're having to deal with with ABBA and the Bee Gees on Mum's record player is a different story. But now I'm so grateful for that and the connection that that ha- has with myself and my family. So yeah, yeah, and and we talk so much about you know creating a magnetic brand and you know a brand that attracts your aligned clients. This is it. You just be who you are and just lean into that and you know show all of those parts of your life with with your audience and stop filtering so much like stop trying to create this perfect image of what an entrepreneur is supposed to look like or what a coach is supposed to look like and embrace 
who you are naturally like you know like embracing my curly hair has been a journey which just completely um took my brand to a whole new level because it gave me the confidence to be who i really am and you know the way this works is that the more you you become the more attractive you become to clients because they 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 want to create that the same vibe in their business right they want to become more of themselves even if they don't know it so I, I think that's that's such a gift when we are able to lean into that and just completely own these parts of our, our life and our um, journey. I so agree with you, Sopna. One of the things I loved hearing, love hearing the most from someone when they spend more time with me, whether that we get to meet in person and we've only connected online or we, you know, they might become a client of mine, they'll say like, oh, you're just like I imagined because the imagining is because they've connected with me by reading my content, listening to me, watching videos, listening to the podcast. And I am in those spaces who I am in real life. Yeah. And it's so much easier, right? Like we talk about being effortless. This is the effortlessness we are talking about. Yes. And it doesn't mean that you have to share every single aspect of you ever, but it's so much easier just owning my quirky obsession with Yoda and Wonder Woman than going, oh, I must make sure the background behind me if I'm videoing looks professional and business-like. No, it's fun. It's playful. I've also got a couple of Little Miss books, Little Miss Curious and Little Miss Wise. They were both gifted to me by people, you know, and because that's, again, expressions of who I am. Yeah, I just released an episode on the podcast yesterday, which is all about five marketing lessons from Taylor Swift. Um, and I'm such a big Taylor Swift fan and my daughter... It feels like it's so cringy because I'm in my 40s and how can you be a Swifty? You're not supposed to be a Swifty. But oh, in my 40s. Is. And <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I absolutely love her. I think she's a marketing genius and a genius, bona fide genius in everything that she does. And I have so many clients who are Swifties as well. And they are also in their 40s and they love Swift as much as I do. I love it. With her bringing a new album out just recently, obviously I'm going to have to go and listen to your podcast episode now because I haven't got that caught that one yet. Um, but in her bringing new music out, you were suddenly seeing how many people are actually into Taylor Swift who possibly have never shared that before. And I find it funny that why can't they? Like just go and, and share it. You know, I saw even yesterday on Instagram I saw pink advertising that she's got a new music video coming out and I shared that to my stories it's again that's a lot of music I love and I tagged in one of my clients who was obsessed with her I was like I'm sure you already know this but in case you don't kind of thing and being able to share that in our stories in business to me is is, is exciting and interesting as these are the tips on this or this is how to do this or this is a program I have coming up Okay, so what's a book that's sitting on your shelf right now? Because I know you love books and uh, when you had a, a whole other podcast, we we had done, a, uh, I think, an episode about our favorite books and which was one of the highest listened episodes, I believe. It was, it was. That was a fun one to do, wasn't it? We had, Swapner and I decided we do our top five books and we didn't check with each other before. We just bought them and we had about three the same, I think, which, I, again, I love so much, like without having any idea what it was going to be. But what am I reading right now? I'm the kind of mentor teacher, as a mentor teacher archetype, is that and the Liberator Engineer Year, the two that you and I have the same, as such an avid lover of learning 
I'm always reading, but I don't read one book at a time. I read multiple books at once. Dip in and out as to what am I feeling like today? So currently I'm reading a book around being a wild woman, so really looking at that that expression of self, which I can read about all the time. I've just got a copy of um, something about being normal. Um, Yeah, so it's looking at, I'll have to to send the information to you because I see the visual of the cover, but I never necessarily remember the names. But it's really looking at again trauma and that oh the myth of myth of normal and that what is normal anyway kind of thing and the trauma response for all of that. Uh, I've got a book on what else is in I'm sitting on my on my bedside table that I'm dipping in and out of at the moment. Another one on mindset and again I can't remember the name of it. But they're the kinds of things I'm reading right now. Yeah, diverse and listening to lots more podcasts and audiobooks than I had been for a while. So I'm listening to, I always am nerding out on things to do with human behaviour, psychology, mindset, business, creativity, all the things I love, and then random things like, you know, a romance novel or, you know, some quirky factual thing about Star Wars or whatever it is. Yeah. I also know that you are also a big believer of energy and, you know, really understanding your physical and spiritual energy in business. So what's your favorite way of grounding yourself, especially because we work with so many clients and we are working with energy all the time. What's your way of just coming back to yourself and grounding yourself? Grounding myself, which is a form of re-energizing, is about being in a space where I have spaciousness. So this is very much comes back to my liberator engineer archetype, we can make better sense of the path to freedom when we have space. And also I have the visionary creator, which is has got some similar attributes to liberator engineer, but amplified on a whole different scale. And I can't, oh, I lose, no, no, I can't. I often can lose trust in the vision I have for what's possible when I am cluttered and I have a lot of things around me or in my space. So for me, I'm very grateful. I live in Perth in a beautiful part of Australia and we have the most incredible beaches and, you know, not busy beaches, uh, even though I'm in the, you know, city. And I live a matter of a five-minute drive from an incredible beach. So no matter what the weather is, if I'm feeling kind of stuck and overwhelmed and not trusting or being able to see see and sense clear vision, I literally take myself to the coast where there is the, the un- uninterrupted skyline You've got all that beautiful big sky and you've also got the horizon of the ocean. So you've got there is nothing clouding me and being in my way, even on a cloudy, rainy day, I can create that sense of open and spaciousness and that brings me right back to who I am and reminds me of who I am and I feel re-energized no matter what's been going on. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's important for everyone to find their own kind of way of grounding themselves, even if they, like me, I don't live near a beach. But I feel like water still activates me a lot. Like, so whether I'm washing the dishes or, you know, taking a shower, that's the place where I feel like I'm coming back home. Um, so, yeah, love this. So this has been amazing, Shannon. I loved every bit of our conversation as if I had any doubt about it. But uh, and I, I know we can go on forever. Uh, we have so much to talk about. But I want to know what's going on in your world right now. What are you launching? What are you selling? What can people buy from you? But also where can they find more about you? Yeah, so I tend to have a lot of things available for people to connect with me these days. I shifted away from a, you know, a signature program that I did every now and again to lots of different smaller programs and things that all come back to 
you know, one of or a combination of four things supporting you in relation to mindset, marketing, money, and magnetism. Magnetism being really about your brand. Uh, and the Thrive Factor is the cornerstone of all of those. So bringing that all together. So there's always something new and fresh that's happening. Coming in towards the end of 2022, I'm looking at programs to do with content around, you know, reconnecting uh, with a vision for 2023, going in for December, for January, we'll do the intentionality program, reaffirming your intentions and vision for the year again in a different format. The Thrive Factor Coach Certification will be open again. Um, in fact, we're taking inquiries now and then that starts again early in the new year. So all there's all sorts of fun things going on. The best place to find me, if we're going to social media, my favourite place is Instagram. I am also on Facebook, but so uh, Instagram is my place where you'll first see and probably see more content information things and, and be able to find out what I've got currently if you're looking for support and guidance. And that is Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And the fact, yeah, my podcast too, which launched early October. So she leads, she thrives and you'll be able to find Swapner on there very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All of the links are in the show notes. So you can reach out to Shannon and definitely let her know if you, if there was something specific that really blew your mind, which I find hard not to happen. Like I'm absolutely sure that you have your mind blown many times during this conversation. So definitely share that with her. Thank you so much for this conversation, Shannon, and for just uh, being you. I think you add to the world so beautifully with everything that you do, everything that you create. And just by, you know, the sheer um, audacity and uh, <laughs> audaciousness. I know that's a word you love as well of being yourself. So thank you so much. That's the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am thrilled to have you as part of the Brave Marketing community. Because this podcast is still brand new, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a five-star review as that will make it easy for other brave hearts to find this podcast and grow our community of rule breakers. Until next time, have a brave week ahead.